lights are up. Oh, that's all right. One that's right here. It's literally oh, okay. right there. So I wouldn't be cheating, but it would have looked like I was cheating. Hey, you know what? Like I said, it's freewheeling. So we're live now. If you want to bring it over, I love the breakfast club. I actually use that as one of my posts on Instagram to promote the show. I mean, I so. can just get it as soon as we need it. It's there you go. Sounds good. Right there. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, so we are live. Welcome to the Let Me Bend Your Ear podcast. My name is Frank. I'm the host of the show. We are live here. Um, this is the third anniversary of the podcast, so I just want to say to those that listen, thank you for listening. If this is the first time you're checking it out, I really appreciate it, and more so if you're a regular listener, thank you. Uh, this has been a very rewarding journey for me, and and I enjoy doing this every week, and now that I've added the live component and the video component, it just makes it even more fun. And um, now that my focus is solely on movies now, which is my first passion anyway, this is just fun to do. So when I was thinking about this third anniversary, I'm like, what am I going to do for the special episode? Uh, what I want to have somebody on because normally I fly solo when I do this, when I do my movie reviews. And then I went back and, of course, Tucky Williams, I want to welcome you to the show. She came on about a year ago, about a little less than a year ago. Um, and uh, we talked about her movie and her challenges with her movie coming on and off of Amazon. And kind of how that had a happy ending and she's got stuff on there now i'm gonna let her plug her stuff in a second but the main reason i have her on is we had a great conversation during the podcast but after the show was over instead of just hanging up tucky's like have a good night nope she stayed on the on the phone on the phone with me and we talked movies for another 15 20 minutes and it was fantastic and when i was thinking about what to do with this episode i'm like she's going to be a great guest to bring back on because she's a movie buff like me and more specifically she is an 80s movies buff. So I am of the age. So I'm an old man. So I actually was a teenager in the 80s when these movies came out. So the 80s are my wheelhouse. And Tucky, in the last episode, if you listen to it, she talked about her love for baby movies and the and the and the influence it had on her film Girl Girl scene. So I know her series takes place in the modern time, and but the movie actually took place in the 80s, which is fantastic. So anyway, welcome, Tucky. Um, thank you for coming back. First of all, thank you for 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 accepting this invitation. I'm really glad to have you on. Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here on your third anniversary. Yay. Yeah, thank I'm so you. I'm glad thank you asked you. me to be here and be a guest, and we're going to get to talk about all this fun stuff. Absolutely. The, our favorite movie. So let me start with the obvious question. Why 80s movies for you? Um, I, I think I'm assuming, and I don't, I'm not going to ask your age, I'm assuming you were more probably of a 90s movies growing up, probably at your time when those movies were when you were a teenager. But what, what is it about 80s movies that captivate you that make you love them so much? What is it about those movies? Oh, gosh, everything. I think they were just better then. I think I was thinking about this. The movies were just better back in the 80s. They kind of started to suck in the 90s. And there's, I mean, if, seriously, if you go back and look, all these great films came from the 80s. And they had sequels and stuff that came in the 90s. But even the stuff that's redone in the aughts and the 10s, it's all based on stuff that came out in the 80s. So we have this really great stuff like the John Hughes movies and the James Cameron movies. And like everything we're watching now and have been for the past 25 years is based on the stuff they did in the 80s. Absolutely. I agree. And, and I love the fact and that's why I think you and I get along so good with this subject, because you and I, I like all genres of movies. And if we're talking specifically 80s, it was a great decade for multiple types of genre, whether you were a horror fan, a, a romantic movie fan, a mm -hmm. sci-fi fan, all of that stuff. And like you said, you brought up some great directors. But I do want to start with John Hughes. I came off of, of reviewing. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles last week, which is one of my favorite John Hughes movies, more uh, when he was starting to lean into kind of uh, more adult stories, not about teenagers. Um, even that movie, then Uncle Buck after that, which is one of my favorite John Candy movies um, that he did. But specifically, you, you have the trifecta of Breakfast Club, um, 
16 candles uh and pretty in pink and i know a lot of people actually i put a poll up they did some kind of wonderful which is actually a very good movie too um he didn't direct it but i think he wrote it but what is your favorite john hughes film it's between the breakfast club and ferris bueller's day off uh, yeah, and fair. he made them at the same time so during That's the week he was making the breakfast club and on weekends he was making Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So it kind of makes sense. They're actually the same movie. He was making them at exactly the same time. Yeah, it's crazy how prolific he was, first as a writer and then as a as a, as a a director, because I know he came from the world of advertising before he started writing screenplays. And then, of course, he wrote, and he actually wrote some classic 80s comedies. Like when I went back and I had forgotten, he wrote Mr. Mom with Michael Keaton, which is another great 80s comedy. He wrote Vacation, of course, um, and, and movies that he didn't even direct that he just, his imprint is on it, and then of course his own films. But yeah, Sixteen Candles and Breakfast or Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I agree. I'm, I, I and I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I I was like I said, I was 15 and I saw it in the movies and yeah. loved every second of it. It was just we saw it with a big group of friends and and I just love everything about that movie. And 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 like every John Hughes movie, Ferris Bueller's a good um, encapsulation of everything that he did well. He wrote teenage characters with respect like he they weren't idiots they weren't um like a lot of the especially the sex comedies in the 80s were you know dumb teenagers trying to get laid they were all dumb and that was kind of what you had but then john hughes movies were different they were teenagers that were three-dimensionally written and acted and um had their own issues and i think people can relate that's why i think those movies still hold up now because I think the, the writing is so strong and then he picks great actors he picks great performers I mean Alan Ruck and Mia Sarah and of course Matthew Broderick are fantastic uh as the trio that leads the movie and it's just it's funny it's fun it's heartfelt you see true emotion especially uh with Alan Ruck's character as he goes through the movie you find out you know how he's really struggling and 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 how this day has kind of liberated him in a sense so everything about the movie is perfect. I mean, I loved everything about it. And, and I think it, it's really a good um, way into John Hughes. And to, even if that's the only movie you see of his, that really encapsulates everything that he does well. I think his films, those two are especially Nietzschean. They are basically the story of the Ubermensch and overcoming. Ferris Bueller especially, but then you look at all those kids in detention and it yeah. was about becoming superhuman. I mean, in the end of the movie, he raises his fist in the air and, oh God, that's been overdone. I hate seeing that. I hate seeing it. <laughs> Everybody does it everywhere. But that's right. the superhero pose. So the theme of all these John Hades, John, John Hughes <laughs> films is uh, the Ubermensch and how to become that. And Ferris Bueller is the Ubermensch. He's already there and he's sort of showing Cameron how to do it, but he's really showing us how to do it. Right. Us as children, us as teenagers, and then us as adults still, you can watch Ferris Bueller and go, I need to be more like that guy. Absolutely. And and I think, and it's funny too, and that's what's so great about those movies. I think as I grow older, you really appreciate, uh, I mean, I appreciated it as a teenager, just how you have to embrace life and how, you know, the, the famous line, you know, life passes you by fast. You know, if you, you know, if you don't stop you're going to miss it all. And, and that's a very profound thing when you think about it. It's wrapped up in a funny movie and stuff like that. But I think as you get older, you really realize how fleeting life is and 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 how easy it is to miss opportunities to embrace life in a positive and you know uplifting way. And I think uh, that movie really does that. And even Breakfast Club, like you said, to a, to a, a different extent, in a different way, uh, it, you have people that are from differing backgrounds, of course, and you've seen that in movies a hundred times. But the way he does it and the way he evolves the characters throughout the movie being in detention and how they end up at the end to me it feels organic it doesn't feel rushed it doesn't feel phony it feels real and that's why like i said i think those movies really transcend all of those movies of those types is the characters feel real they feel they feel 
like real people, like people that you would be friends with or people that you know. They don't seem like people on a movie screen. And that's why I think for me, it always uh, impacted me very greatly. Any of those uh, John Hughes films in different ways, even a dumb one like Weird Science, which is uh, it's a ridiculous premise, but it's so well done and funny. And I mean, Bill Paxton being, you know, just the the the, the terrible brother, like that's not even a great John Hughes movie, but even that movie has great moments in it. And uh, and that's the one I know people don't talk about because it's not in the kind of the main best of his movies. But even that one's just ridiculously funny. And that's I just, just the talent of John Hughes. I think just shines through in all that stuff. Absolutely, he's really down there with his actors, and he's working with them. And that's something I try to do as a director nowadays. It's called Video Village, and I get it. Why you're in there is because you want to see what's coming out. But he didn't do that. He was sitting with them, and that's what I tried to do. I know with girl girl scene, I, if I was if I wasn't in the scene, I was there with them. And I mean, I was. I was like, I mean, you can't see me, but I'm right next to them on the screen. I'm right next to them. You know, I'm with them. If they had anything they needed, you know, if they didn't know how to play something, I was like right there to help them with it. And I was letting it, I, I brought this level of comfort to them. There wasn't this, usually when you're making this movie, right, there's this room full of people and they're staring at you. It's horrible. They're just staring yeah. at you, waiting for you to do a good or a bad job. But I'm, I'm right there. It's like, oh, here, here. I'm not look. No one's looking at you. Just here, and I'm not looking. I because you know you don't stare at them. You just kind of watch the scene. And so I try to do that when I'm making movies. That was my thing. When I heard he did that, I'm like, yeah, of course. And it's so hard not to get behind the camera, <laughs> not to get behind the monitor and go, how is this playing? How is this coming off? It's always better to be there and talking to people. And I mean, if I had the choice between it looking good on the screen versus the authenticity, I mean, of course, it's the authenticity. Totally. That's what you want to go for. That's what you want to bring into it. So him doing that was an inspiration to me and my filmmaking. And it was just great. And then JJ too. Well, we're getting out the eighties, but JJ, you know, being in it, it's not your job to grab a light and come into a scene with the light, you know, just like bend it. So I remember we were doing this one scene and I was like, this light needs to be here. I didn't tell someone I grabbed the light and I pulled it over and I was holding it over. So you've got to really, it's very hands on. And that's what he's doing. He's like, you know, where's the fourth wall? The fourth wall isn't us, it's John. John's with us. He's the, he's, they're, they're working off of him. That's great. The actors need that. They don't need to be playing to a room full of crew. They need to be playing it for uh, the person who wrote it, for the audience, and they're able to go internal with their performances. No, that's a great point. And another thing that I noticed and, and what I love about all of his movies, actually, is the phenomenal use of, of music. And I think that part of it is underplayed for him because I know, you know, everybody talks about Martin Scorsese, another one of my favorite directors who makes phenomenal use of music uh, mm -hmm. in all of his films. But John Hughes, I think, is the equal to that. The, the, the songs, the pop songs, look, Don't You Forget About Me is one of the best pop songs of the 80s. And yeah, the fact that it's time. in that, yeah, it's, 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 it's a phenomenal, I hear and it, it to this day. it was written for the movie. Yeah, and Based I, and on I, the movie. Yeah, I hear it to this day and it's one of my favorite pop songs of the 80s. And I and I saw a documentary about Hughes and, and and I know music was an important part of the shooting process as well. He would play music all the time while they were shooting whatever movie he was shooting. And that was that informed the performances that informed the movies themselves. So I love I love just in even watching when I watched Planes, Trains and Automobiles, I had because of that movie. I learned about the song Mess Around by Ray Charles, which is I'm a fan of Ray Charles. I never had heard that song before. And. Watching John Hughes movies, there's so many songs that I've been introduced to literally through those movies that have made that have become favorite songs of mine because of his brilliant choice of music. And he went through all genres and in older movies, 50s music, 60s music. 40, I mean, 
it's it's fantastic and i know and it informed his his filmmaking as well and it just like i said the music just adds uh, another layer to an already fantastic uh film experience i agree uh so simple minds came out with that song and it was based on the movie which is fantastic which is why it fits perfectly with the movie and i will say when we were making girl girl scene that song was played a lot <laughs> to set up the mood so in one of the final scenes, I mean, that song is going on in the background, you know, dun, dun, hey, 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 <laughs> yeah, no, that's fantastic. People can move to that. If there's no audio, you can actually play it while you're shooting the scene. So it's like, let's turn off the audio. Let's just play the music and the actors can act to the music that's going to be in the movie. Okay. It's not going to be a simple mind song, but there's going to be an equally wonderful song right. laid on top of it. And the actors can move to that instead of just silence. There's a soundtrack and actors like that it's, it's like they're they're moving there's something helping them they can feed off of that yeah no it's fantastic and like i said the movie um the music in your movie too actually the songs that were in there were really good i think they really fit the the, the time period and, and and like i said it's uh, let me recommend it to anybody that hasn't seen it it's uh it's on amazon uh check it out girl girl scene um it's it's very funny very heartfelt um it was a great movie so um i had some great contributors to the soundtrack i've got to give them credit it, it, yeah. i mean it's the best movie soundtrack of all time so the artists artists were unreal i really appreciate everything they gave and um so scandroid yeah. new retro wave betamax night run 87 and vhs dreams they were all just so generous I, I'm just so privileged to have been able to work with them. You know, and sometimes I'll be listening to Spotify and I'm just like, damn, I love this song. I'm like, wait, you worked with him. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you, you know, oh, this should be in a movie. It's in your movie. You have it already. So I, I was just such a privilege to have those people. And then the editor, Mark Holmberg, once I got the music, he was able to, he was just like genius with it. So I'm like, Mark, here are all the songs. And then he just chops them up, puts them in. He knows exactly where they go, exactly how to use them. I was I was really lucky to have that. I was really lucky to have the music. Lucky to have someone who knew exactly where to put it. Yeah, no, it was great. And actually, when I was looking at the credits of the movie, because I'm a film nerd and that's what I do, uh, I saw Mark's name a lot. And I know he 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 yeah. was a big contributor to your movie. And 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 I and I love that too. I'm glad. Like I said, I know when we we spoke in the last podcast, um, you had really you were really generous in, in describing um, what a positive experience filmmaking has been for you. And like I said, it warms my heart to hear that literally. I mean, I'm not in the filmmaking business, but I, you know, you hear stories of stuff that's not so pleasant. And uh, the fact that you have collaborators that kind of support what you do and you enjoy doing and you enjoy the process, you enjoy working with the actors. It's nice to hear that because, you know, when you, especially when you consume a movie, I think as a movie fan, you want, you're realistic about, look, it's a business and people are doing this, it's jobs and, and kind of, you know, I think we romanticize what making movies are like sometimes, like we think that everybody's buddies and it's all great and, oh, you know, yeah. it's it's all yeah. fantasy world. And I think as a fan, you want you want that to be the case, but it's not. Yeah. But it's nice to hear stories, legitimate stories of, of really, like you said, you've created friendships and, and but I think for you, I think you've been smart in your career is that you've, you've made a conscious decision to tell the kind of stories that are important to you and to work with people that are on the same wavelength. So I think that probably that makes that process better for you. So that's great that that's, that's been that way for you. Yeah. Well, I have plenty of horror stories. We can do an episode on the wall of horror uh, stories. We, we, I'll, I'll hold you to that. That'll be another episode. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm going to nope. say if anything was going to give me post-traumatic stress disorder, it was working with people in the music industry. Oh my <laughs> God. Oh my, not the artists. Well, sometimes the artists, but yeah. mostly like the, the managers. I well, mean, years of PTSD. Like I had trouble, like a certain artist would come on the radio. I would have to change the channel, right? Cause it was just like, oh, too much. Their management even, not even them. 
But okay, so yeah, the, the music was a hard thing to do. Totally like right. stress level all the way up. And uh, but but you were talking about you want to thank everybody's friends. Yeah, that's that's the thing is it's like I, I get a lot of, yeah, a lot of people will write to me and they they're like, Okay, but in real life, are you guys friends? And did you guys date in real life? All this, you know, they really want it to be real. And it's like yeah, they do. it's like you it's like with the actor thing, when it's when it goes well, you get along and you're best friends for two weeks. And then it's over. And then yeah. people always ask me about Ronnie Jonah. Ronnie Jonah's been in everything I've ever done. And so they're like, you're like, she's like, she's, I just love, love Ronnie Jonah. She's pretty much a part of my life. And then someone wrote to me, they're like, so you must see Ronnie all the time. I haven't seen Ronnie in years. Okay. Right. <laughs> she's one of my favorite people in the world. So it's like, it's like, I haven't seen her for probably since 2018. And, but you know, I'll see her again and it'll just be like, we never missed a beat. So movies are a weird thing because yeah. you're, it's, it's like, summer camp you're in very close quarters and it's a lot of work but it's a bonding kind of work and uh so you do have a unique form of relationship it's just not it's just you know no you don't stay friends yeah. in real life i mean sometimes sometimes you do but most of the time i'm like no but we love <laughs> each other but yeah. sometimes you do stay friends in real life and that's always that's always a good thing yeah. And like I said, I know. And for me, I think it's I, I understand that because, like I said, I've been uh, I've been a movie buff since I was a little kid. And I think I've never I've never had that kind of vision of it. I've always seen it as a, I mean, I love it and I love the art of it and everything. I was an interview. I forgot which actress it was. She worked with the actor John C. Riley, you know, Step Brothers and, okay. and yeah. Heart Eight. Great movie. Great actor. And I guess she was a young actress and I forgot what movie they worked on together. But she had quoted him because she was like young and all excited about being in movies. And it's like, this is like you said, she actually she used the same thing. Summer camp. She's like, look, you it's intense. You make these intense relationships really close over a short period of time. And then I think John C. Riley kind of sat her down and said, Hey, look, let me just give you some advice. All right. We're all here to do work. Don't get too attached to anybody and you'll have a lot longer career. And I think he meant it not in a obnoxious way and not in a, in a way to make it negative, but I think he wanted to let her to kind of burst up, like just bring it down a little bit, because if you think that's what it's going to be, it's not going to be that way. And right. uh, you're going to be very disappointed. Um, right. We're all here and to work. Like, we're, yeah. We're all here to do a good job to great, great performances. But then when it's over, we all move on to the next thing. And that's, that's just the nature of the beast. Right. Right. But then, you know, if you work with good people, you can work with them again. Yes. Also like um, if, if you're having that kind of communication on a movie set, you're on a really good movie set. So mm -hmm. I, I feel like people, either they've been in the business for a while and they go, Oh my God, this is like the best set I've ever been on. Or it's their first movie set. And I have to be like, okay, listen, it's, this isn't, this isn't typical. <laughs> I've had to say that to some actresses. I'm like, I know you've had a lot of fun. This isn't going to happen again. <laughs> you've got, you still got to be really careful. So I, li I like it that people can come here and I like it when people say that they've enjoyed themselves in yeah. spite of all the hard work. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure from that end of it, it's, 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 it's rewarding. And then obviously when you, when you get the feedback, cause I know it's gotta be hard, especially with movies, you, you, it's not like being like a stand up comedian where you get instant feedback. I mean, you make a, you shoot a movie over a short period of time and then six months, seven months, a year goes by before you find out, you know, or how people accept it. So I'm sure that's a, that's kind of a weird experience as well. Trying to make mm -hmm. sure that those reactions, you know, what are people a year from now going to think about what we've done? <laughs> right. uh, so I'm sure that's crazy. Definitely. All right, so let's talk about some other 80s movies. So we've got John Hughes out of the way. So you mentioned James Cameron. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny. I have a kind of similar thing with James Cameron that I do with Quentin Tarantino. Okay. Okay. Terminator, Terminator 2, even True Lies to a certain extent, and The Abyss, actually, which is an underrated film, I think, are phenomenal. Um, I'm not a fan of Avatar. I've, I've seen it. I think it's average. 
I don't know if you agree or disagree. And I know it's not an 80s movie, but let's go back to his 80s movie. So let's start with the first time I had recognized um, uh, Cameron was was the first Terminator. So phenomenal. A B movie done at an A level. And then he follows that up immediately with Aliens. So the sequel to, to, to Ridley Scott's Alien, which to me is one of the best sequels of all time. Uh, to maybe one of the best surpass- movies of all time. Yeah, one, one of the best movies. movies. Yeah, because so, first of all, you get Sigourney Weaver, who's always fantastic. And one of the best kick-ass female leads in a movie. And and to this day, I'm still ecstatic that she got an Oscar nomination for that film. I know she didn't win, but the fact that she got it, to me, back in the mid-80s was a huge thing. Because, one, it was a worthy performance of an Academy Award. Because she's the anchor of that entire movie. And she's phenomenal in it. Not the fact that she's great in Ghostbusters, which is one of my other favorite 80s movies. She's great there, too. Because she's always great. But in Aliens, the, the relationship between her... And the little girl, especially if you watch the director's cut that was released later when they. Oh, yeah, that's way better. Oh, yeah, it's way better. People who haven't seen it, I'm like, no, watch the director's cut. Yes, the director's cut. Yeah, that's what I have. It's it's a better story behind that, which is that he had to cut it short. It was going to be the full two hours and he wanted it that. And they said, no, it has to be 90 minutes. So it wasn't a case of let's trim the fad here and uh, kill your darlings. It was like, no, we had to take this good movie and make it shorter. So actually, in this particular case, you want to see the extended version. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then the second thing I love about Aliens is you get. you get full Bill Paxton. Uh, you do. Rest in peace. And he's just another great actor uh, that just was great in everything. And and <laughs> he's just at his best in, in Aliens, though. Just the 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 constant, we're all going to die. <laughs> this is not happening. It's just, I love him. I love him in every second that he's on the, on the screen in that movie. And it's yeah, great. For people like, who don't yeah. know, he, well, it's debatable as to whether he improvised his lines or not. It sure seems like he did. I don't know if he did or not, or if he's just a really good actor. Either way, it's fantastic. But uh, it's it's this very dark, scary movie. And there's this guy making <laughs> jokes that are like really dark and yeah. very appropriate. So you're yeah. laughing. It's not this goofy character like, I'm the funny guy. No. Yeah, no. No, it's it's in a twisted way. It works very well, that kind of humor in this movie. And it's, and it's just perfect because it's like oh he's funny he's funny yeah but it's sick and twisted oh it's fantastic yeah but it's ever. dry heat <laughs> it's great exactly because one of my favorite ones is it's the scene where they're they're you know they're trapped in there their aliens are coming and 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 uh you know the little girls have been able to survive all this time on her own <laughs> yeah, and then when ripley makes say. the line so ripley's like she's been able to survive blah, blah, blah. so then he he busted well then why don't we put That's her in crazy. charge let's put her in charge man great <laughs> and just just the things like that man it's just yeah, if you're a fan of Bill Paxton, and, and how can you not be? He's great, um, the late great Bill Paxton. But he's great in that movie, and that movie from beginning to end is nonstop action. the The effects are fantastic. The fantastic. The, mu- the music's fantastic. And I know, and with Paxton and Cameron, because you know Cameron came from the Roger Corman school. Actually, one of your favorites um, influences. I know you talk about Roger Corman in our last episode, but um. Cameron, like a lot of these directors, uh, Jonathan Demme, Martin Scorsese, Steven Spielberg, Ron Howard, not Spielberg, excuse me, Ron Howard, De Palm, I think all came from the Corman School, and so did Cameron. So he started there, and that's where he met Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton was working as a crew member on one of these low-budget 70s Corman's films, and that's how they actually ended up meeting. So that's why he pretty much used them in everything. I mean, he used them in True Lies, Titanic. I mean, he used them. I don't even think he was he, in Terminator as well. He was in Terminator, exactly, Terminator as well. So yeah, Aliens is fantastic. One of the best sequels ever, only to be surpassed by his other sequel, Terminator 2. 
Oh, right. Um, and <laughs> would, like, again, 91. Not, what? what are you going to yeah, say? This is going to be blasphemy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Terminator 2. <laughs> Terminator 2, um, which is to this day, one of the, be- again, one of the best sequels ever made. And the thing about Terminator 2, because I just watched it again recently, it's it's almost the end of practical effects. It's weird because there's practical effects and then the phenomenal visual effects on the T-1000, um, Robert Patrick's character. Uh, it's, it's, it's both like the, the scene at the beginning of the movie with the truck, the chase sequence, like all great pra- practical stunts and effects mixed with the technology. And then the story's phenomenal. Uh, and, and the way that he, the clever part of it by making the Terminator, the good guy in the second movie, um, and kind of flipping it around to defend Sarah Connor instead of trying to kill her. I thought I, all of it was just phenomenal and him at the height to me at the height of his filmmaking powers to me. Uh, that's a phenomenal movie. Phenomenal movie. They wrote it in three days and two nights. They stayed up the whole time. I don't know how. And <laughs> I'm like, how I'm sure Coca Cola. I like drink a lot like, of Coca Cola. Right. Yeah. But how do you even be creative enough? I mean, it seems like it would take anyone really talented a year or two to come up with that plot. And those, but God, that plot's even crazy, right? Yeah. Oh man. And then a lot of the effects, you know, I kind of, I think I can kind of ruin movies for people because I can break them down. So you're talking about practical effects. A lot of a thing about Terminator 2, what you're saying is so right. It's really a turning point in mm-hmm. cinema. So a lot of the special effects are actually just, just in camera effects. For example, yeah. when he rips his arm off, that's editing. Mm-hmm. There's no, there are no special effects when he cuts his arm, he just cuts his arm and then there's this puppeteering trick. And then he, and then he's standing here like this, and then this puppet arm appears, and you think it's his arm. You think they did a cool special effects thing where right. they made Arnold's hand into robot hand. It's like, no, he's holding a puppet hand like this. <laughs> it's just floating there, and you think it's a special effects hand. No, there's like, he's, he's probably not even the guy holding it. There's probably someone off camera. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I ruin the movies for my friends because I, like, I rewind them. I'm like, no, look at how they did this. <laughs> Do you really rewind it while you're watching it with them? <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah, right. Like if, if they've seen it before, we're gonna go back and dissect the movie now. Oh so, my goodness! Uh, yeah, that one. Watch it the next time he rips his arm off. In, well, now you're gonna. I'm gonna have to now. When he cuts it off, it's like no, it's puppets. Yeah, and and but again, that's phenomenal. And I was talking to um, a friend of mine the other day, um, going back to '80s um, horror. Is um, is I had finally, and I had never watched it until about mm-hmm. a, three months ago. The thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, 1982 um, movie, Kurt Russell, classic film. I just is just one I had never gotten around to seeing. And Rob Bottin did the effects for that movie. Who is a he was a protege of Rick Baker, the famous uh, makeup artist, American Werewolf in London, The Howling, stuff like that. And the effects in the thing, the 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 dog, the it, I was stunned at how phenomenal those effects were. And now this is 1982, and you know, being you know. 40 years later watching it you because I, I was thinking yeah I'll, I'll see it's gonna look kind of cheesy i'm sure you know because it's the i was stunned by the craftsmanship of those effects in that movie um and he's done i, I know he's done total recall i mean he's done a lot of great movies the effects but i think 80s really like you said if you go into the horror are you a big fan of horror films or no okay there's a story behind that which is that i wasn't it freaked me out too much but then i was at a convention and i ended up after hours on a com- I, I don't drink I was the only one not drinking on a bed with the cast of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, goodness. 
Yeah, right. But I hadn't seen it. Okay, uh-huh. this is, and I, I don't know. There's a psychology of this. I, a, a psychiatrist could probably explain this. So anyway, hanging out with him. I'd never seen the movie, whatever. Had a great time. One of them did this weird thing to my feet. Again, separate story. It sounds bizarro, <laughs> but he did this neurological thing to my feet that lit up my brain. Again, I don't drink or do – well, I, I have a, a nip every now and then, but I, I don't do drugs. I wasn't drinking then. He, he did this thing to my feet that caused this neurological – so had a really fun time with them sitting on the bed. And, you know, they get together all the time, that group. They see each right. other all the time because they're always at conventions together. So, I mean, they're like – they're tight, right? And so I was hanging out with them, and then I came home, and that night – I guess I got home early or whatever, and I I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I had some kind of psychic meltdown, right? Because I couldn't understand how these people did that horrific stuff. So I had I kind of I kind of just for a week I wasn't right because I couldn't understand how these nice people could do such horrible things. After that, I loved horror movies. I got right. over it. I can't get enough of them. I watched one okay. last night. What'd you watch? Watch them all the time. I love them now. Okay. What'd you watch last night? Uh, last night I watched uh, The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. It was good. Was it good? It was. Yeah, it was very good. <laughs> okay, there you go. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's. Uh, I haven't seen any of the Conjuring movies actually. I haven't seen. I don't think I have either. Yeah. <laughs> which is great. Which is great. I, I saw. I saw The Conjuring along. In tw- tw- it came out in 2013. The first Conjuring. I vaguely mm. remember it. Right. So, and then of course the Annabelle movies are all based on The Conjuring. Annabelle's like their little toy. So you have, and I love the Annabelle movies. The last Annabelle movie been, is just fantastic. Uh, Annabelle Comes Home. Really, you should go watch that. It's this great piece of uh, super meta 70s. We're in on the joke filmmaking, but also really terrifying too. So I, yeah, Annabelle Comes Home, really, really good. It's about these three teenage girls fighting off demons. It's, it's cool. They went a different direction. I loved it. And so this third Conjuring movie, it was it's amazing because it's the characters that are good. And it, when you bring, have these really solid characters, they have like great actors. They have Vera Farmiga. And she's playing this really trippy, crazy lady. She seems so calm. And it, like, it's this very subtle performance if you're paying attention. I mean, the chick's nuts in her head. But this, this subtle performance, you see this, this, it's somehow coming out of her skin almost. She's playing calm and timid and all this stuff. But the psycho, you can just feel it because it's never acknowledged. She's the heroine. She's the good guy, right? But she brings so much to it with her talent and the writing. And then the music in that movie, the score in that movie was was so good. Because a lot of times these poor actors are having to sit there and go, oh, my God, oh, my God. And they're not looking at anything because <laughs> and, and they're not looking at anything. And, and they're acting terrified. And you're like, oh, these poor actors, how are they doing it? So the music really adds to it when you can tell an actor is not looking at a thing. They're reacting to something that's not actually there for them. Music really, it, it, it lets you get over that as a member of the audience. So you don't notice that they're that they're there's kind of this disconnect between what's happening and the actors. So like the music is really good. Acting is really good. I, I love being surprised. I was expecting it to be good. I love being surprised when something's very good. Oh, that's one. Of, that's a great point too. With, with, uh, as a movie fan, one of, one of my favorite things about movies, because my friends used to make fun of me when I was younger, because being, uh, you know, a, a certified proud film nerd, my friends would kind of make fun of me because they're like, Frank, you like every movie you see. Why? why? Like, it, it, like it irritated them. And and the, I'm like, well, how is that possible? I said, because I'm picky about what I see. That means you're a good person. Yeah, I, I'm picky about what I see. And, and But what I do love is when I have low expectations for a movie and it surprises me. I like that better than knowing that I've heard something is good and then it ends up being really good. I do love the opposite where it's a movie where I'm like, oh, my God, this movie was so good. 
and I was not expecting it to be good. And because I, I don't want to see bad movies. I mean, let me take that back. Sometimes you do want to see bad movies uh, uh, that are so bad they're good. So I should take that back. Uh, there is sometimes that you're in the mood for that, but most of the time I want to see a good entertaining movie, regardless of genre, because people that's the other thing people ask me too. And it's like, you know, what's your favorite genre of movie? And I and I and or what's your favorite type of movie? And I answer, and I don't mean it to sound glib, and I don't mean to, it's I just like a good movie. I, I don't really care what genre it is. It, it, I don't do I love horror films as a whole, not particularly, but let me tell you something. A great one's a great one. I'll watch John Carpenter's Halloween. I'll watch Psycho. I'll watch a movie that's phenomenally done. I don't care what the genre of the movie is. I just want it to be good and entertaining and, and fun. That's because you love movies. Yeah, because I love movies. There's a lot of people movies. who like to just take down things and no. complain and complain. But I, I like people who see the good in movies and and enjoy that. It's like even if you see a bad movie, you're going to remember the good things about it. Yeah, and I don't like um, it. You know, as I when I was a teenager, one of the biggest influences on me actually is was Siskel and Ebert, believe it or not. And speaking of the '80s. Um, you know, watching watching them on PBS at the movies, and then when it went to syndicate, I like they to me. For me, they were so important to me because the two things they did: they introduced me to movies that I would have never even heard of or known about had I not seen them on that show. Um, that made me seek them out because they enjoyed them, and then it it led me to read film criticism, whether it's you know Peter Travers, oh, okay. Pauline Kael. It led me to reading serious film criticism. Mm -hmm. And but but that being said, to your point. I take that seriously, but I'm not a film snob either. Like yeah. if you like fast and the furious, I, right. I, I'm good with that. I don't like it, but I don't care. It's not, yeah. that's fine. You, yeah. they've made billions of dollars. There's another one coming out. I've joked and actually it's not a joke. Cause I've said on the podcast, if they go into space and I'm not even trying to be funny. <laughs> if they go into space, they will. I, 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 yeah. And when they do, I'm going to put my money down and see it in the movies. I've made You're that promise. Go into space I'm going. Yes. When they go into space, I'm in. I don't even care if it's a good movie, but because that at that point, I'm in. You can't not go see that movie. You can't. They're going to space. How would I not watch that movie? That's yeah. going to be phenomenal. You yeah. know, that's that, and that's my promise. I'm not going to see this one because I don't think they go in space in this next movie. If they do, I'll go see it. But that's my promise. I'll, they'll get my they've never gotten any of my money. If they go in space, they will have my money and I will gladly give it over. But I love I'm a film lover. I'm not a film snob. And, and, and I don't I like all types of films. I'll watch Caddyshack. I'll watch. But then I'll watch, a, you know, a Kurosawa film. I like all of it. Like it's because there's like any kind of that's why I love movies as an art form, because it can go from anywhere bad, which you consider bad, to phenomenal, to offbeat, to, you know, like I said, David Lynch, a perfect example. So, you know, obviously Blue Velvet in the 80s was his big movie. I mean, and actually one of my favorite films of his was Twin, the Twin Peaks movie. I don't know if you watched the series, but Fire Walk With Me, um, the movie, a lot of people hated it, like, oh. like with a passion. I loved it. You loved it. I did, and, I, and here's the reason. And it's, and it's an. I loved it because it, it, the Laura Palmer character. You know, you know, the, the show takes place revolving around her murder, and then the movie kind of solves that, and but really goes into the Laura Palmer, what happened to her, and and her and what her life was. And I thought the movie was very harrowing. Like for a David Lynch movie, it was, you know, because she suffered abuse, and it, it, for me, when I watched it, and maybe I don't know if that's what he meant. It it was like a nightmare. Like the movie was a nightmare her nightmare and it was a visualization of her nightmare and i thought it was just brilliantly done i that's the way i took it 
And I, I could, I could be wrong, but again, everybody takes it differently. That's why I, I've always loved that movie. Um, it's just, it's disturbing, but I, I just, it was something about it. But anyway, I don't know if you've seen it or what you think about it, but, uh, that's just one David Lynch one that I just, I, I, when I saw it, it was just, it stayed with me. I just thought it was brilliant. Yeah, he's interesting what he does and the way he chooses to do things and, and the way he makes people so angry is probably the funniest part. But because uh, it's it's so perplexing. But yeah, I I think there's something to be said for not seeing those movies because it, it, yeah, I've got to warn people you don't want those images in your head. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's not for so everybody. Don't see a lot of times I say don't see those movies because you're not going to forget them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, just, just like a racer head, don't see it. See, I've never seen a racer head, and I and, no. and yeah, <laughs> no, and, and I probably live a great life. I probably you will have you'll I'm, you will die an old man, and you will not have I'll any okay. of those images in your head. I'm gonna you'll take your word for it. Yeah, because I've seen. Yeah, uh, you don't need to see it. <laughs> yeah, I've seen Blue Velvet, and I'm not yeah. knocking the movie. It's a, it's a great movie. I'm just yeah. saying you're gonna lead a happy life. You don't need to see it. Yeah, there's things that there's a there's there's things in movies that don't entertain me actually i was talking about it today actually with a friend of mine it's funny you say that like movies with um not that i don't but like uh we were talking about a clockwork orange speaking about a movie that not everybody should see stanley kubrick right right i I love that movie great movie um you know there's a pretty brutal sexual assault in the movie and just overall i'm i'm not i don't really like watching depictions of sexual assault it just doesn't i i don't find it entertaining i don't find any value in it for me uh, and I know some stories need to tell that depending on what the movie's about. And I get all of that and I don't I don't have a judgment about it. It's just for me, I don't I, I don't think I don't need to see that. Like to your point about a racer head. I don't I don't it doesn't it's not gonna in, in, enrich me as a moviegoer to watch that. I don't judge anybody that does, it's just not for me. But uh yeah, again, that's probably the only thing that really bothers me uh, a lot. But other than that, uh, I'll watch pretty much anything if it's well done. If it's like you said, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a great example because I know the 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 critical acclaim of that film was because it's and I think what makes it so terrifying is its nonchalant look at depravity. It's almost like a documentary. Like it's just literally Toby Hooper's put a camera up with real people doing real things, it appears. So I think that's why that's what makes that movie so horrifying. Because it's like it's just nonchalantly going on. I hang people on hooks, that's what I do. It's a day at the office. And and that's, yeah, it's messed up and it's terrifying and it's disturbing. And for coming out in 74. So Gunner Hansen in that movie, I met Gunner before I saw the movie. Such Mm. a nice guy. He's huge, right? Such a nice guy. Again, this is what made me when I was younger. And, you know, do you know he really cut someone on purpose during the Oh, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it was during the dinner scene. It was one of the actresses. He actually (laughs) on purpose cut her, which is so messed up and then so i found that out i was like oh maybe he's not so chill after all a couple years later we were in a hotel eating a horrible iceberg lettuce sandwich (laughs) and he just has this look on his his like just like dead eyes and i'm just going this is so awesome (laughs) 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 i'm eating an iceberg lettuce sandwich with with leather face with leather face Look, that's a that's a story. I mean, you you that not many people can say they've had an iceberg lettuce oh, sandwich. No, no, with no, 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 I'm not name dropping. I'm not name dropping. I'm just saying this is part of the psychology. I could name drop all night, right? But yeah. the, the psychology of that movie messing with my head yeah. is here's this. He's just a dude, right? But then yeah. this, no, again, like with that movie, don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, that's definitely I when I try to and I haven't had that many movies on my podcast that I reviewed that would fall into that category of don't. But I'm with you. I'm like, look, <laughs> or, or I'll give the disclaimer. Look, my famous is look. This movie's not for everybody. So <sighs> this is my disclaimer. I was about don't... making a list of movies not to watch. <laughs> they're actually okay. Like like the movie wise, they're okay, but you don't want the image in your head. Like yeah. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to talk about this movie. I don't want to talk about it. Funny games. I'm not going to talk about this movie ever. <laughs> okay. But funny games, just no. So I want to make a, a funny games list, you know, um, a movies like that. Like yeah. just great, great job, great acting. Oh, get had this thing in the middle of it that was just such an inventive thing to do in film. And don't see it. Don't see it. <laughs> this don't celebrity, this Kumail Nanjani, he tweeted, "Should I watch Funny Games?" And I didn't check. And then apparently, like he got this huge response, "No." <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Don't watch that movie. Don't do. It. But you know what that happens though in the in the world we live in now. It's almost like we're all children. We're just like telling a kid don't do that. So of course that's what they're going to do because yeah. you told them not to do it. So it means What's if the you're Australian telling Australian Outback Horror movie, I just I can't think of the name of. Don't see that movie either. <laughs> uh, you know, I told my dad. I was like, like really, don't see the movie. Oh my god. He started watching it right away. I was like, well, you better wait until I leave the house because I don't even want to be in the room when this thing comes on. <laughs> well, the best part is then they'll still blame you, even though you told them not to watch it. Because they'll be like, well, you watched it. <laughs> okay. I wanted to check it out. They'll still blame you, even though you said, I told you not to watch it. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Okay, <laughs> I'm okay with getting blamed. It's like, I warned you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's crazy. No, I, And like I said, but you know what, though? Again, that's the beauty of movies, though, because like I said, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, look, it, it's it's lasted this long because a lot of people appreciate it for the whatever they appreciate about it. And and like I said, it may not be my cup of tea, uh, but again, it's it's a lot of people's cup of tea. And they you know, and, and that's the great thing about just different genres of movies. And and there's room for all of it. And, and that's what I love about it. As far as horror movies in the 80s, what what do you like? What are your go to's for 80s horror? Well, I think Aliens is one of the best films ever made. And I really kind of feel like I think it is. I mean, in terms of. All I have to say about 80s horror is aliens. <laughs> right? I, can't, I can't. It's actually more of a war movie, if you think about this. Mm -hmm. It's a military movie. It so is. I don't think we can call it a horror movie, but there are monsters from another planet. And But no, it's more military. I think uh, you need to know, I, I, you know, people who don't really, I'm like, aliens is one of the best movies ever. Like, I didn't see the first one. I'm like, it doesn't have, no, 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 no. Don't, don't see the first one. It's, it's like another thing, okay? That's, it it's is. It's a different another, movie. Yeah. It's a complete, yeah, completely different. It has, yeah. you know, the same characters, same monsters. All right, but it's its own thing. You don't have to watch it first. Just, just jump into Aliens. Yeah, that's the greatest of the '80s. I think there were some others. I, I mean, yeah, they're coming in my head right now. Nothing compares to the brilliance of Aliens with an S. Whenever I write about Aliens <laughs> in an email or something, I put Aliens with a capital S so that nobody thinks I'm talking about the other one. The other one, exactly, the uh, Ridley yeah. Scott one. <laughs> Let me ask you about one other 80s action movie because this is one, one of my favorite stories for myself is RoboCop. Yeah. 87, Paul Verhoeven. So the funny story about RoboCop for me was oh, I no. was, uh, this is the year, no, <laughs> no, nothing RoboCop bad. RoboCop story, it's got to be Yeah, good. no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a, a, a um, iceberg sandwich with RoboCop, so it's not that good. It was more funny. I was in New York the summer before it opened because I had graduated high school. This is why I remember this. So I had took a trip to New York. Okay. And you know, when you go to New York, um, I don't even think they have those anymore, where you would you walk wherever you walk in Manhattan and there's there would be all the posts up. Because you know where you see fences. You even see it in movies where it says no posts. 
but then you would see like a uh, 50 posters of a movie that's about to come out and I'll never forget. It's one of my film nerd memories. I'm walking down the street in Manhattan and there's all these posters for RoboCop coming out whenever it was coming out later that year. Probably I think it was coming out in yeah. the fall. And I see the poster, you know, the famous poster, him coming out of the car and whatever the tag, I forgot what the tagline was for RoboCop. And I look at the poster and I'll watch anything. And I'm like, so I'm looking at the title RoboCop and I'm like, this sounds like the dumbest movie ever created. Okay. Yeah. Why would anyone RoboCop? What, what, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing? So again, so this is in the summer. So, so four or five months later, the movie gets released. So what, what am I watching on TV? Siskel and Ebert. So they're reviewing. So like, we're going to review RoboCop. So of course I'm sitting there like a schmuck going, Oh, Oh, they're going to, they're going to kill this movie. They're going to be like, why this is a waste of film. Everybody wasted their time. Don't even don't bother. So I'm waiting. I'm like, all right, I'm like, I'm got my popcorn. I'm ready to go. I'm going to see him rip this movie. This is going to be fun Yeah. because I want to see him rip this movie because it's, it's going to be stupid. So of course it's the complete opposite. They go, it's a brilliant satire of commercialism. Peter Weller gives a great performance. Nancy Allen gives a great performance. And who, who turned out to be one of my favorite character actors, Miguel Ferrer, who's phenomenal in RoboCop. Yeah, yeah. And then Ronnie Cox, who's also phenomenal um, from Deliverance. And I'm like, I'm sitting there going, what? Am I actually going to pay and go see this movie? Are you kidding me right now? So they give it a great review. I go see it in the movies. Thanks to them. And thank God, one of the best, it's one of the best movies of the 80s. It's a phenomenal movie. And it, and I, and it holds up. It's so well done. It's, it's ultra violent. Again, not for everybody, because I know the movie actually got an X rating originally for the violence, and then they had to cut it. But that movie's violent. Like, it's, it's super violent. violent. If you're not into violence, then yeah, just pass on by RoboCop. <laughs> but there's more to it than that, though. That's the thing. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it is. It's a great satire on commercialism, on policing on all this kind of stuff that's happening in the movie and i know he did more of that on starship troopers which i never saw so i don't know if it's good or bad i hope people love that movie too but robocop what did you think of robocop do you have the same thing about it what do you what do you think about that movie well i yeah it's a fantastic movie the, the oh gosh i just all i can think about is the scene with the first robocop coming in and yeah the only thing that sticks with me is that scene in the yeah. in the conference room where the first yes. robocop yeah Comes in so that's a yes. pretty epic scene. Yeah. And when you're talking to me about that, all I can think of is that one scene, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, very violent. But I, I feel like there are, so there are different kinds of horrible violence. And this one's yeah. just kind of, I don't want to say it, but it's a fun kind of violence. No, I know like, what you mean. You're not, yeah, you're not going to look at it. And, and yeah, you're not going to have nightmares about it. It's, no. it's kind of fun. It's, it's, it's yeah. yeah, a bunch of people getting murdered. They, they had the same thing in Total Recall. Yes. Again, very much like mm -hmm. RoboCop. I think of RoboCop. Yeah. I also think of Total Recall too. There, yep. all these movies are, you know, they're they're so connected in every way. Mm -hmm. Terminator, RoboCop, Total Recall. Da, 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 da. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was a great movie. I, mean, I even like the remake, honestly. And, I never saw the remake, and I like Joel Kinnaman the as an actor. I liked it on the Killing the TV the television series. I was a big fan of his. So yeah, I I didn't watch the remake because Michael Keaton's in the remake too, right? Was he the yeah, bad I don't guy? know. I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, it's Michael Keaton. It was, yeah, yeah. I thought it was I didn't fun. Watch I thought it was a fun yeah. movie. If you go in there with a good attitude, you're gonna have a good time. I have to check it out. I just this is one I never. Um, well, like I said, I have a, I have a great attachment to the first one, but yeah, I never checked out the second one. I have to do that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so yeah, those movies, you know, the violent movies, the the buddy cop movies, the comedies, the '80s really just were, just to me, a, a dynamite decade of all different kinds of movies. 
and mm -hmm. uh and just you know and i didn't even get to the some of the dramatic movies like one of my one of my favorite movies of the 80s actually is amadeus uh the milos Forman film um it's also just, violent <laughs> also yeah on its way also violent absolutely also violent, but yeah. just milos Forman is a, is a first of all he's a phenomenal director i mean you you mm -hmm. go Mm -hmm. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, People versus Larry Flint, Amadeus, mm -hmm. um, Man on the Moon, which I loved, actually, because I, I was actually a fan of Andy Kaufman, the comedian. So um, I know Jim Carrey was difficult on that movie, but that movie I thought was a brilliant performance um, of Andy Kaufman. But but Amadeus, and I saw, and I, so I was 14 when that movie came out, and, and I, I liked classical music, but not I wasn't into it. But again, that movie got so much acclaim, and I watched it. It's just, every minute of that movie is just beautiful. It's a beautiful film. F. Murray Abraham's performance as Salieri is is beautiful, and I mean he won the Oscar for it deservedly. So Tom Hulse is phenomenal. You got mm -hmm. Jeffrey Jones. It's just it's just a brilliant movie. It's one of my favorite movies ever. I don't know how many times I've seen it. I, I mean I own it, but it, it's just so good. And uh, and I think it's a movie that you don't hear enough about. And I don't know why because it's so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Most people haven't heard of it, but yeah, uh, yeah. it's excellent. I mean, I can't say anything more about it than you already have. It's an excellent movie. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the next thing I want to get into you, with you is, and we see the poster back there. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, the best Quentin Tarantino movie, and I'm going to say it just for me, I think it's the best movie he's ever made. Um, I think Reservoir Dogs is kind of close. I'm a, I'm a, I have a soft spot in my heart for that first movie of his. Um, I still love it. I mean, it's economic because my issue with some of the later ones we'll talk about it is the length. Reservoir Dogs comes in, clocks in quick. It's quick. It's taut. And probably because it was a lower budget film, they didn't. They couldn't make a two and a half hour film. It was ninety minutes, and that's all it needed to be. It was phenomenal. But Jackie Brown is. I saw Jackie Brown in the movies, and so of course that's the movie he made after Pulp Fiction. So of course the phenomenon that that movie is we could talk about that one for you know days people analyze it talk about it its originality you know the fact that people are pissed off that it's still lost to forrest gump is best picture all that stuff that's <laughs> around it i'm i like forrest gump so i'm not gonna blast people but and I get, I get, dances with wolves. oh that's that's egregious now in all <laughs> fairness in all fairness i like dances with wolves yeah i, like, I saw i saw it in the movies and i liked it yeah but here's the difference i would never watch it again not because I didn't like it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was great director. I thought he did a good job. I thought his performance was good. I thought this, the message it had was good. I, I liked it. It's not Goodfellas. Goodfellas, uh, another thing I'm going to say, not a hot take, but Goodfellas to me is better than The Godfather. That's just me. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I love The Godfather. Godfather movies are brilliant. I Look, yeah. I even like Godfather 3, which gets me killed on Twitter sometimes. I'm, I'm a fan of Godfather 3. I haven't seen the recut version. Or the added is it is it better? Oh yeah. I'm gonna check it out. I haven't had a chance. I don't. It's a completely different. Yeah, but I'm one of those fools. <laughs> yes. I got <laughs> it was excited. That good. Yeah, it was it's that a good. Completely <laughs> different thing. Yeah. I I'm one of the people who did not like Godfather Three. Oh, I'm the only one probably that liked it. I I, right. I own the fact that I'm and look and I and I agree. Look, Sofia Coppola was not good. I I, I get that she was not good. So, um, well, she didn't want to be in it. Well, I know but, Renata Ryder had to back out for whatever she was ex some exhaustion. I know Renata right. Ryder was cast, and then she ended up backing out, so he just threw her in essentially at the last right, minute. Right, and she didn't want to do it. And, right, uh, but he's re-edited it. Her performance is good now. That's fantastic. Like, yeah, 
like it's he made it good so that just shows you how important an editor is sure in an acting performance there are a lot of i mean there's some actors who have been in my movies that think they did a good job and i want to be like ah, actually oh, you God. owe the editor because oh. you didn't give that performance mark holmberg and i stayed up really really late a lot of nights giving you that performance that's where right. that performance came from so that's, I mean, if you want to see how an editor makes a, when Lupita Nyong'o won her Oscar, she thanked her editor and everybody's like, why is she thanking her editor? Yeah. But you need it. So like, um, yeah, yeah, this is a perfect example of how editing can make or break an acting performance. And in this case, make it. That's fantastic. I mean, please watch it again. Even then, I, I will, it, I will watch about it. Yeah. It's just a different movie. It's a different thing. And uh, with three for me, okay, so one and two were gonna be the best, the best of not counting Godfather, of that. The one and two were like a thing. Yeah. And then it wasn't ever gonna be a trilogy for me. It was gonna be like these two great films and there was gonna be something that tied it up, you know, like right. a little, an epilogue, two great films right. and an epilogue. So a duology with an epilogue attached to it. And it got messed up, I believe, by his editing of her performance. Right. I think that ruined it. Um, but a lot of people, like, I, I, you know, a lot of people liked her performance. They're like, that's the way 16 year old girls act, right. right? Like, that's just how girls are. I mean, I didn't act like that, but <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, maybe she was just doing something different. Um, okay. But I, I do think the editing didn't help her. So in this new version, I would say this new version is a happy little epilogue to the right. fantastic duology that is Godfather. Good. I'll check it out because my my like I said, you know, be me being one of three people yeah. that enjoyed the original version of it. Again, her performance I was not a fan of, and the other problem I I had with Godfather Three was no Robert Duvall. So not him as Tom Hagen. That's a huge missing piece for me anyway. Him as a just because you wanted some more money. Money, like, right? It was a money thing. I understand, and it was a money. But grab no, I mean, he, pay him. Yeah, I, I agree. You wanted, pay I him. love Robert Duvall. He's and we'll talk about this on another show. His film, The Apostle, is one of the best independent movies I've ever yes! seen. Oh, yeah. That movie is so no, phenomenal. No, yes. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Stop the show. Everybody out there, the see The Apostle. I've never yes, met right anyone now. else who's seen The Apostle. Yes. I saw it in the movies. Whoa. Um, okay. Because I love Robert Duvall. about The Apostle, I think the first 10 minutes could be its own short film. So if you want to watch The Apostle, watch the first 10 minutes. That's an excellent short film. It's about a car crash and death and, and Christianity it's, and evangelical Christianity. Yes. And if you like those 10 minutes, guess what? There's a whole movie based on it. Oh. And, and at worst, you've seen a great 10-minute short film. I, oh. The Apostle is I, – I still think about that, and I still don't know what I think about that movie. I, I still don't know what I think about that character. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. He's a super crazy evangelical Christian yeah. with a dream. Yes. And it's yeah. – it's, it's, but it's a, it's a great – and this is the thing, and I, and you can tell a religious story and just be gripping. Like it's for him, it's you know, it's sin, redemption, and you don't know where he. And, and and that's what I love about that movie. Well, first of all, his performance is brilliant. The fact that he directed it and acted in it is phenomenal. And, and like I said, I'm a huge Robert Duvall fan. I, I'm a huge old school actor fan. My one of three of my favorite actors of all time are Paul Newman, Robert yeah. Duvall, and Gene Hackman. Okay, um, that those are just those are like my Mount Rushmore of of actors. Um, and, uh, Robert Duvall. Yeah. So if, if you get nothing from this podcast out there, anybody that's watching or listening, pick up the apostle and watch that movie. And then you can thank us later. Uh, it's phenomenal. Uh, you won't Guinness regret it. Book. I don't know if he still is, but he was listed in the Guinness book of world records as the greatest actor. I don't have a problem with that. Look, he was great to kill a mockingbird. Go watch him as boo Radley. 
you want to start seeing him at the beginning. He was still great in that yeah. phenomenal movie. But yeah, uh, the Apostle, great. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got off on that. And I'm glad you've seen it as well. You're that's the a, only person, other person I met who's seen the movie. It was <laughs> I watched it one night and went to my parents' house. I said, "We're going to watch the Apostle." They're like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> who are you? <laughs> <laughs> but you know You're what? Like I said, like gangster movies and action movies, and you want what? You know, and then and then even after it was over, they're still like, "Who are you?" <laughs> wow, yeah, you get to watch a master at work though, which is always a beautiful thing to do. Yeah, but yeah, but back to Godfather Three. Yeah, you know, it was missing missing Robert Duvall, and and what I liked about Godfather Three, which I thought was the strongest aspect of that movie, and I, and I will watch the the recut, mm-hmm. is that they portray the Vatican as big as gangsters as the mafia, which I thought mm-hmm. was a great third part to it. Like I said, I, I never expected it to be as good as Part One and Part Two. I know, right. I know some some of the backstory of the movie, ironically about money. I think Coppola did the third part a lot for money. I know he was struggling for money. Um, this this was a huge payday well, to American revisit Zotro Godfather. Was in a weird place. Was in a weird place. He lost always... a bunch on what's that? Crazy Hearts. Uh, yeah, I think so. He lost a bunch that. on that movie, and so right. So he production company was in a bad place. It was in a bad place. So he he did it. And, and, and look, it's his movie. I don't care. I don't even care what the reason was. So like I said, again, I know I'm I'm in the minority of people that it, that that liked Godfather. Look, I even I didn't even have a problem with George Hamilton, even though they had him to replace Robert Duvall, which was irreplaceable. I didn't even have a problem with George Hamilton, but that's yeah, yeah. that's just me. <laughs> again, I know I'm the I'm on an island on this one, so I, I understand that. I don't. Have, yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, so uh, it's great, but um, yeah, but Goodfellas, um. Not an 80s movie. It, well, it was shot in 89, so we'll call it an 80s movie for that. But uh, yeah. the fact that that, well, first of all, it's better than The Godfather. I think it's the best gangster movie ever made. Uh, yeah. I, it's my favorite Scorsese movie um, by far. Um, I've probably seen that film at least 35 times. Uh, and I'm probably underselling it. I've probably seen it more than that. Actually. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's just a movie you just put on. And yeah. And speaking of watch. editing, right. And it's, not a, and it's not an accident that Thelma Schoonmaker. Has edited every film of his since Raging Bull. No, oh yeah, her because she's a brilliant editor. Yeah, and uh, what she brings to the table on all of his films is phenomenal. Look, even The Irishman, uh, which I know a lot of people um, didn't love because of the length. I, I and I thought I wasn't going to. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually enjoyed it for a couple of reasons. Yeah, no, no. I look, I I think it's a valid criticism. I don't disagree with it. I didn't find that to be an issue. I thought I would. I one Pacino's performance, I loved. I it was a Pacino, it was a it was a dialed down Pacino, which I actually liked, like because I know Pacino in the in the last few has kind of over the top performances, and sometimes it's great. You watch Devil's Advocate, it's fun, um, but uh, he's he's over the top, and that's kind of the point. But in, in in the Irishman, I thought he was great as Jimmy Hoffa. De Niro was fine. It was great to see Pesci. I loved Pesci in the Irishman because it was. Mm-hmm. He was almost playing against type in what he does in Scorsese movies, especially if you compare it to Goodfellas. It was the complete opposite. Of that performance it was an internal very mm-hmm. calm very measured per- yeah, and, I, and i loved it loved that performance no i'll say why i stuck my hand up is because i couldn't see those performances because all i was seeing was the uh deep fake the de-aging i i yeah. agree i agree. And, like i couldn't and and then the way they um color corrected so the deep fake would look more real and then yeah. made it very muddy so right. it's not a criticism of the film at all i just I just honestly, I just think they should have had the old guys. I mean, just have them play forty-year-olds. Big deal. I, I wouldn't have cared right. if, if at his age, Al Pacino were playing a thirty-five-year-old Jimmy Hoffa. It wouldn't bother me a bit. 
And but the de the the deep fake, I think it was deep fake. They say de aging to me. It looked like deep fake of them right. with their younger no, selves. I yeah. I couldn't enjoy the movie. So you're sitting here, you're telling me about what a great performance it was. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. But it, I I couldn't get into it. And it was just because it, it was in Uncanny Valley and I couldn't relate to them. And I just, mm -hmm. there was no connection there for me. So I'm no, just, I but I feel like the people who could connect to it really did enjoy it. So, so it's yeah. two groups of people, the people whose brain rejected it and the people whose brain accepted it. So if your brain accepted it and you liked it, yeah, totally. totally. Yeah. And I think for me, it, I actually, I kind of had both reactions because I completely agree with you. When you first see the de-aging, especially on, I think on De Niro, it wasn't the greatest. The other ones I thought were a little bit, but De Niro was distracting at first. I agree with you. I think I just kind of got used to it as the movie progressed. Okay. But no, at first it, it was jarring. I'm, I'm not going to lie. And it's funny because Spike Lee on The Five Bloods, if you've seen that movie, he yeah. he had the yeah. actress just play. Yeah, he Why made the decision. That? that was yeah, fantastic. And, right. And, and, and I think some people are like, well, I mean, and they're way older. They're playing like 20, 21 year olds in yeah. Vietnam, which is another great movie I recommend. And it worked. And it and, worked. And, and, well, and also when you're that age, an actor that age is going to be a better actor than he was in his twenties. Yeah. No matter who it is. So it, you get better performances too. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that Dale Orlando didn't get an Oscar nomination was criminal. Well, I, I might, you know why he didn't though. I, I, yes. that, it, that actually angered me. Like I, I, that, that was one of the best performances I've seen in years in any movie. And he was just, and Dale Orlando's always been a great actor. He's great in Crooklyn. The other, the older Spike yeah. Lee movie, he's great in that movie. Yeah. But, uh, he just blew, his performance was, unbelievable and uh yeah i'm, I'm still very upset also with chadwick's i mean uh, yes I mean, no no, that, that was, absolutely you know absolutely. then chadwick at the end just like i'm not a crier but you know at the end of the that movie i mean chadwick just made me break down right yeah i mean that's he should have gotten the oscar for that right he didn't well, win it nice. for this year uh for ma rainey but uh, he should have won it for that movie yeah, that's that's one of my and and uh, I'm a huge fan of Spike Lee's earlier work too. But uh, that's that's my favorite. I haven't seen Black Klansman, but uh, The Five Bloods is is the best Spike movie I've seen in years. Like it's 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 phenomenal. It's I loved everything. Well, I think you would like Black Klansman quite a bit. Yeah, I have to watch it. I, I heard it's great, and I and I want to check I've it seen out. It a lot. I, yeah, and I like John David <laughs> Washington too. So. A lot. <laughs> yeah, I have to I have to rewatch it. All right, so I know I got sidetracked, but I think on a good way. I want to get back to the best Quentin Tarantino movie, Jackie Brown. Yeah. So Jackie Brown, of course, uh, is kind of an outlier for Tarantino because it's adapted from a, another work. So Run Punch, the novel by Elmore Leonard. Um, I think it's the only movie where he's adapted another story. I think everything else has been original of his. Um, it, it's just a great movie. It's just you get 70s Pam Greer, you get 70s Robert Forster and. It's just a beautiful. I love. I love Jackie Brown. I. I, I don't even know where to start with it. I'm gonna let you start with it. What? And okay, I'll just well, go with you. We're talking. We should say why we're talking about it. One is every single interview I've done on video. I have. The, I this post. This is my bedroom, and this is the poster in my bedroom. So this is how you know to talk about this one. The other reason you know to talk about me is I talk about it on your next favorite movie podcast uh, with Josh. Yeah. Hey, Josh. And so he had me talk about it being my favorite movie. So that's how yeah. we know that I'm the girl to talk to. When it comes to Jackie Brown, so yeah, Jackie Brown's the best because <laughs> help me, I'm speechless at the it, moment. Well, let me start. I'm going to start with Robert Forrester first, and I'm going to leave Andrew okay. last. Yeah. And I'm going to go to TV a little bit. So Robert Forrester was in Breaking Bad. If you watch that show, for people out there that watch that show, you know Walter White, Meth, all that stuff, brilliant television series. 
Robert Forster came in in the last season of of Breaking Bad, and his character was a character that got people to be missing. So he changed your identity, give you all this stuff. He was in two episodes of Breaking Bad, just two, and was captivating. And he's in Better Call Saul. And he's oh, of course he is. Don't even get me yeah, Better Call Saul, one of the best shows on TV. You and I are on the same wavelength. I love that. I cannot wait for the last season. I'm kind of torn. I don't want it to end, but I think it's going to be brilliant. I can't wait to watch it's it. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be brilliant. Um, and yeah, and in Better Call Saul, which was I was great to end because I know he and then he did the El Camino movie, uh, and then of course, unfortunately, he passed away. Um, he he gives such a his just his his way of acting is understated in yeah. its old school, and I love I love that about him. I watched him in the in the I know Robert Forrester from the Black Hole, that Disney space movie. Wow. And I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's got, I've heard of it, yeah. He, yeah he's in it. it. Yeah. yeah, Maximilian Schell. Uh, it's, most people think it's a terrible movie. I love the Black I love that movie. It's, it was a bad attempt to go after Star Wars because I think it came out in 78, like the year after Star Wars. I saw it when I was a kid and I loved it. And I loved him in it. I remember him. Because I remember, like I said, Quentin Tarantino, you know, he became known as the comeback guy for Travolta and and Pam Greer and, and of course, Robert Forrester. But mm-hmm. there are comebacks of brilliant actors. John Travolta is a great actor. Yeah. Pam Greer is a great actress. Robert yeah. Forrester is a great actor. And he shows it in Jackie Brown. His his performance as the as the bail, it's just you see his position in his life. He meets this woman. They get caught up in the scheme. And it's just, it's it's a romantic movie to me. Almost, it's a romance, and yeah. almost like an unrequited romance. And then you bring Pam Greer in, who's just, first of all, a badass. Just when you see her come on screen, look when you see the opening shot with her going down the conveyor at the airport, mm-hmm. the Jackie Brown thing comes up. The music, yeah. talking about you're talking about the first ten minutes of the movie, the first thirty seconds 30 of minutes. Jackie Brown. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah just sets the mood. And then yeah. it just goes from there. And and those two are the reason that that movie is fantastic. Forget about even some of the other people that are in the movie. Like I said, you get a goofy Robert De Niro performance. Bridget Fonda is good. Samuel L. Sam Jackson, Jackson is always good. Yes. Yeah, oh, of course. Jackson. Sam Jackson. Well, look, I, I, saying Sam Jackson is good is almost like saying the sun is hot. I mean, we, we know he's great. He's never not great. Well, that's uh, my, I think my favorite performance of his. Yeah, it's a great one. I mean, when he's when when they're watching. I mean, even the scene when he's there with De Niro watching the 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 guy shooting both guns. He's like, "What the hell is that? That that just just all of that is great, you know." And that and that's you know the great writer that Tarantino is, which you'll always be. My issues with his directing maybe a little bit different, but his writing I've never had a problem with. He's a brilliant writer. But Jackie Brown, it's just like I said, it's it it has a different energy than his other movies. It has his feel to it, but it's different because like I said, because it, it's a different story. It's an adapted story, and I think he did a brilliant job adapting it. Because uh, Elmore Leonard's got some great movie. Um, look, Get Shorty is one of my favorite movies of the 90s. Again, with Travolta, DeVito, Gene Hackman, mm-hmm. uh, Rene mm-hmm. Russo. That's a great, great movie. But uh, yeah, Jackie Brown, to me, and, and the more time has gone by, it, it's it's my favorite Tarantino movie. I, I can't. Yeah, of course. I, there's not one to me that's better. No. It's just not. No. No. It, uh, they're it, all good. That was the best, though. Yeah, that's the and, best. Yeah. 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 And it's a shame more people don't rec- don't see it. I think if it had come out today, people would realize how good it is. But yeah, but you know, all these dudes wanted the next Pulp Fiction. Right. Movie. See, that's and, the problem. And- that's the problem. They they wanted Pulp Fiction Part Two, 
Um, but this is. I mean, if, if to me, it's Pulp Fiction Part Two. It's the closest you could come to a sequel. Yeah. Like you can't make a sequel to Pulp Fiction. Guess what? He did, and it's this. And dig, you gotta dig it because it's a movie <laughs> with three different endings. What? I mean, you know, if Pulp Fiction changed cinema, he took it a step further and gave us a movie with three endings to it that all are, you know, the same. Yeah. It's not a choose your own mystery. It's got three different. It's everything. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's a comedy, but it's it has every element of everything. It's a comedy. It's a gangster movie. It's an homage, not just to the 70s, but to film itself. Yeah. And, and, yeah, exactly. And, 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 and that's the thing about Quentin that I do love. I, I love, that's the thing he's, he loves, he's a lover of movies and, uh, and that I can always appreciate that whether I have issues with his films or not, I can always appreciate the fact. And look, my issues with once upon the time in Hollywood, notwithstanding the, the thing that I do appreciate <laughs> about Quentin Tarantino. And this is an issue I've had just an overall thing. Look, I, I love comic book movies like the next guy. I'm a big fan of Marvel films. I, I, I love them. Um, but the double-edged sword of that is, is you, you don't get, and this is another thing the eighties did well too, or even the nineties, you don't get R rated adult dramas anymore in the, in theaters. Oh, yeah, you just, right. you, they're just not there. They're in streaming. Yeah. You can find them in yeah. streaming and that's great. Yeah. And it's another place to watch movies. Look, I'm all mm -hmm. for as many places you can to, to find movies, especially movies mm -hmm. that don't get the distribution and the, um, exposure that they, they, yeah. they would deserve. Yeah. So I, I get that and I'm, and I embrace that, but unfortunately, and you don't get that in the theater. And I do appreciate the fact that when Tarantino makes a movie, it's an event and it's not mm -hmm. a comic book movie. It's not a sequel. It's not a property that's already been remade before. Yep. So I do, I do appreciate that about him. And I, and I, and I think it's important. So like I said, even if I'm not, you know, if I don't think the films are as great as they used to be, his importance to cinema, I don't, I don't ever dispute. Mm -hmm. It's, it's great that his movies. And like I said, I was, it's the thing about once upon a time in Hollywood specifically, oh. the production design is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. the 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 music of course that he picks another one that picks great music and like mm -hmm. i said i walked out of once upon a time in hollywood and immediately said and i swear i said i said brad pitt's gonna win an oscar i i knew it from the second oh. i walked out of that theater because that's the best i've ever seen him in a movie and it's not even close and and i have issues with once upon a time not his performance his performance in that movie was phenomenal and i'm like that dude's gonna win an oscar i'm like they're they're I, that's just done and like I said, when he got nominated, I'm like, oh, yeah, he got nominated because he's going to win. Because that's yeah. the best performance in a movie I've seen in a supporting role. That's not even close. And DiCaprio was great. His scene when yeah, he breaks like down. That. Yeah, when he breaks down after he's he messes up that scene and basically yeah. he's almost suicidal. That's some brilliant acting and brilliant writing. And then when the little girl confronts him and he loses it. Unbelievable. Yeah, he's the scenes were... his tears. <laughs> yeah. And great. Yeah. And that and, and look. And, and his face my, he, in the bowl of ice. <laughs> <laughs> he got, I forgot about that actually. <laughs> but and and Margot Robbie's performance, because my issue with with Once Upon a Time, one of my issues with the movie is it the Charles Manson story to me didn't need to be there. I thought it was irrelevant to the story, other than to bring Sharon Tate in. And okay. one of my favorite scenes in in in, in the movie is when Sharon Tate goes to the theater to see herself in this on the big screen because i always thought when i saw the movie it actually maybe ironically it was an odd choice but i thought of that thing you do the tom hanks movie oh <laughs> i'm doing the sharon <laughs> <laughs> we're talking okay. about quentin the yes go ahead please do yes 
I've, I've heard that he has a thing with feet. I, I don't think that's true. I don't know whether to no, get that from information. He, I've never seen Uma Thurman's feet anywhere. I've never seen. No, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I've never heard of feet in there. But yeah, but again, he, he what I loved about that scene was the the conversation she has. So she, you know, it, it's a, it's almost one continuous shot. So she goes in to buy the ticket. She talks to the to the ticket mm-hmm. seller about the fact that she's in the movie and just in a very genuine, just like she's overwhelmed with the fact she's actually in a movie and it's mm-hmm. weird for, and then she goes in, talks to the concession person, then sits down and watches the movie. And it made me think of that thing you do, the Tom Hanks movie, because I love movies. Cause I think, and I'm not an artist that's created something that people have watched, but I always, I always feel that, that, that moment when you create something, whether if you're a musician and you hear your song on the radio for the first time, or you're a director and you see your movie on the screen for the first time, or you're an author and your book is published and somebody buys it or wants you to sign it. I can't, to me, that's the purest moment I think as an artist. And that's a moment that you only get once. And, and I think it's something that you always remember, whether you're successful or not successful, you can always picture that moment. And I think that thing you do does it when the band hears a song on the radio for the first time and they just over the moon and then her character. And I just, for some reason, things like that, I always, that always moves me in movies because it's, it, you know, that game is such a hard racket being an artist, being a performer. That's such a hard business filter of rejection. And that's all basically 90% of its rejection. So when you're accepted in that way and then you feel it, it's uh, it's always to me, it's always been resonant. So that's what I love. And that's what I love about Quentin. Like I said, the 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 parts are greater than the sum with him with me. Like there's brilliantly written scenes in all of his movies that are just beautifully written, beautifully acted. Uh, it's just sometimes the sum of it I have some issues with. That's really my issue with with Tarantino lately, not at the beginning. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So. But uh, yeah, so that's the, yeah, no. So again, Jackie Brown's the best movie. Uh, I definitely agree with that. And um, it's just, uh, and I love talking to you about this. Like I said, I could do this for hours. So uh, this is, this is phenomenal and I appreciate it. Um, what other movies um, have influenced you, whether it's eighties now, what, what do you look for when you go to, when you see movies? Cause like I said, you have, you, like you said, you talk about how you ruin things for your friends with effects. What is it that, that, that moves you? What is it when you see a movie? What, what things that you look for that just blow you away? You know, even though you're a filmmaker and you kind of have an inside knowledge of it and kind of know how the how the sausage is made. Uh-huh. I think I, I think I like movies that have women in them, which mm-hmm. sounds like a joke, but there just aren't a lot of movies no. that have women in them. A funny thing is, like one guy I talked to, he could he kept saying, "Everyone in this cast is female," and I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> and he just kept going back to that. I'm like, "Guy, dude, you know how many movies have all male casts?" Like. <laughs> yeah no you're right so and i said that I, I, last year in our podcast and i said it and i but i meant it in a good way i'm like it's it, you don't see it very often so it's kind of refreshing yeah, yeah i wasn't talking yeah. about you <laughs> no, no no i know i know i know yeah no. No, I know. but uh it, so um uh, that's the thing i look for is just women being in it because i of course relate to it a lot more if there are women in it um so i i'm really digging charlie Theron movies at the moment because everything mm-hmm. she's doing is great she's producing it i like seeing actresses becoming producers because they're realizing they're not getting the parts they want. Even the actresses who weren't doing that are starting to do it now. And you you see talent producing their own movies. Sometimes it doesn't work out as well, but um, you know, I just, I really think Charlize was one of the very first, she did it with monster to start making her own stuff. And now she, I mean, like she showed showed up in one of the fast and furious movies, which obviously she didn't produce. She still shows up in other stuff, but basically when you're watching her movies, it's her movie. So yeah. I'm, I'm really liking her. I like the old guard a lot. Atomic Blonde obviously had a huge effect on me. That that was one of the things that made me make a girl-girl scene. And I'm digging her stuff a lot. 
Um, well, I, I, it's it's an interesting time because we're a little short on movies at the moment. So yeah. you're, I'm seeing stuff I wouldn't otherwise see. And I, I think right now at the moment, I'm just, I've always felt like it was a privilege, but I feel especially that it's a privilege to see any movie. I, I feel like I'm going back uh, to the movie, the times when it cost a dime to see a movie in the cinema, mm-hmm. because now it's like, if something new comes out, it's like, yay, it kind of doesn't matter what it is. It's like, oh, a new movie, a new Hollywood movie. Yay. Yeah. I'm, I'm really, I'm all about it. Uh, that's what I'm I mean what I'm looking for today is like anything I we've you know we've gone back in time and now we can be we can all be excited about everything that comes out you know basically like any movie that comes out there's a discussion about it there's no movie that goes by the wayside everything comes out I mean and you know I've I've noticed that even with bad movies critics are being more generous they're going oh well they tried (laughs) yeah I think that's a great people aren't tearing movies apart anymore they're going oh well he made a good effort. <laughs> yeah, I think I've done that too. It's I've no, that's a that's a great point you make, and 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 I know what's happened this past year has made me appreciate. Not that I needed help appreciating movies, but I agree with you. I think I think people, and I'm talking about people that maybe aren't hardcore movie people. I think I think a lot of people realize that they liked movies more than they thought they did when they were gone. Um, and yeah. I and and I really hope that that's what that's going to agree. Like I said, I'm looking forward to any movie coming out. I agree with you. I think that's a great point. And I think you, and I think we've become a little less maybe jaded about it and maybe not mm-hmm. as snarky. And I, and like I said, I've never really been a snarky person with movies. Right. I mean, I'm sure I've had my, when I was younger, I had some snark because all, every young kid is a freaking snark fest every once in a while. But, but I think the snark is kind of really leveled down. I agree with you. I, I think, I think movies, yeah. have been given a little bit of grace when it's comes to review that they, they, they look at a movie and go, you know, you know what? It was entertaining. Yeah. Is it going to win an Academy? No, but it was, a, look, I reviewed, I reviewed Tom and Jerry, you know, you know, my, I watched it with my son and, and, and is it a great movie? No, but I'll tell you what, Michael Pena and Clara Clary Metz, they did their, they, they, they acted their asses off in there. Mm-hmm. They, they embraced the material and I thought mm-hmm. were entertaining. Yeah. So I'm like that, that's what a movie's supposed to be. Well, Tom and Jerry's right. not going to be Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. It's Tom and Jerry. Right. So you got to go in and go, you know what? Did I have fun? Did my kid have fun watching it? Did some of it make me laugh? And and those are two really good actors that have been in serious films. Yeah. And they and they came to this project and I I think they took it seriously. Like, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna do our best here and we're gonna act and we're gonna have fun. And 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 I appreciate that. I do, because they could have just phoned it in. They could have just said, paycheck. And and I didn't feel that at all. When I watched that movie. Yeah. Is it, is it a great movie? No, but it was entertaining and I would recommend it for, for families. So it's, I think people are, are, and whatever the genre movie, horror drama, I think that, yeah, I think they're, they're embracing the fact, you know what? We get to go to the movies again. We get to Mm -hmm. get movies coming out now, big movies coming out. Like I said, back to fast and furious. I, those movies aren't for me, but I'm glad those movies are coming out because there's going to be a crap ton of people that are going to go see it. And they're going to have a blast just like they had in the other eight movies and good. That's good. That's a good thing. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a great point you bring up. Yeah. I have okay. to go. Okay. No, go. yeah. Yeah. Let's wrap this up. This uh, so I want to I have to go, but again, uh, no, we'll congratulations again. on three years. Yes. No, thank you My so much. God, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very proud of that. And, uh, Hopefully we'll have three better years and we'll have you back. And like I said, thank you for doing this. Like I said, you've thank been you one of my favorite. Thank you for inviting me. It's, yeah, it's you've really been one of my favorite guests. You brought me here just to talk. That's, oh, it's that's the what best. I like to do is talk movies. Absolutely. So before you go, I want you to plug anything real quick and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up. 
Uh, girlgirlscene.com, daggerkiss.com, two great movies, two great TV series. You'll like it. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks again, Tucky, and everybody out there that's watching. Thank you. Like I said, the audio version will be up soon, and you'll be able to see the video on YouTube and on Facebook. Thanks, everybody. Take care.